Hello, today I'm joined by David Chapman, who is Vice Principal at Aston University Engineering Academy. Hi David, how are you? I'm very good Caroline, good to see you. Yeah, great, great to speak to you today. And um, for, those, for those of people who are listening who don't know what a UTC is, because that is what Aston University Engineering Academy is, uh, can you tell us a little bit about, um, about university technical colleges? Yes, yeah, certainly. So uh, a UTC, University Technical College, was set up by the uh, Baker Deering Trust um, as a answer, if you like, to the UK skills shortage. Uh, so AUEA, Aston University Engineering Academy, is uh, celebrating its 10-year anniversary next year and uh, is the longest-running uh, UTC and uh, was established here in Aston because of Aston University's reputation for engineering and STEM. Uh, so we are an engineering STEM um, focused academy and uh, our sole purpose if you like is to develop young people's interests in STEM careers and aspirations and as a result of that we see over 80 85 percent plus of our graduates from sixth form go into STEM related degrees and apprenticeships following their time with us. Fantastic and um, what, what was your route into um, working at a UTC? Oh, well, I think it was uh, a marriage made in heaven, really. I think, uh, you know, uh, I when I left school, um, I joined the Air Force. Uh, I'd spent um, about 11 years in the Royal Air Force as an engineer, aircraft engineer. Um, crash recovery, which was a bit gruesome at times, um, but then ended up in Northern Ireland on heli helicopters. Um, this is sort of late 80s. Uh, and then ended up on um, major servicing of helicopters and various other deployments before I found uh, a passion for instructing. And uh, used to get a lot of pleasure of seeing new recruits, new new people to the squadrons, developing their skills on the aircraft. So uh, decided at that point to um, to go back to university, something I hadn't done and probably at the time of leaving school wouldn't have been able to have done from a maturity point of view. Um, so went back to university, did a design degree with education, got a first class honours design degree and um, started teaching in a, in a school in Bridge North in Shropshire as a what is now an NQT, but uh, it wasn't at that time. Uh, went on to become head of department of that school, then moved to a, uh, a larger school in Wolverhampton um, and took over a large design technology department there and then became assistant principal. Um, and then from there, um, got drawn into the bright lights of Birmingham City and um, yeah, and uh, came across, met the principal, really liked the fact that it was uh, very heavenly about contextualizing the learning and developing skills and knowledge. Um, and I don't consider myself an academic at all. I'm more of a hands-on doing type person. Uh, loved the fact that they're working with different industries, different partners, and uh, felt that you know, this was the place for me and uh, was very fortunate to uh, to gain that position five years ago now, five years last January. Wow, the, the, the perfect the perfect job or so, or so it sounds. And um, it, Yeah, it's, you could say that to a certain extent. We won't give it a 100%. <laughs> Not every day. Um, Not every day. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I guess I kind of asked that, that question because we're going to talk a little bit today about, about careers and um, careers guidance and obviously um, a, a, a big part of, of, of what you're doing and, and thinking about with, with the young people um, that, that come to your, to your UTC is, 
is 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 what they might ultimately um, do as you know with regard to their to their career and their future. Uh, and um, the, the the report um, um, that that um, brought us together about COVID and and its impact on careers. Um, so I, I wanted to talk to you about how you think the pandemic, you know, has changed, is changing um, the way that you talk to young people about their their future and kind of careers, information, advice, and guidance. Yeah, clearly it's been a challenging time. Um, with all the lockdowns that we've had as well and part of the primary role of the school during lockdowns was the mental health and well-being of the students and obviously trying to mitigate lost learning time as well um, so to a certain extent I would imagine most schools would have put careers on hold at that point um, rightly or wrongly you know obviously the priorities needed to take place and as I say, you know, certainly being in an inner city school, um, for us, mental health and well-being of our students and their families was, was paramount. Um, we developed a package through our home learning um, plans and that sat alongside their curriculum time um, for them to engage in should they want to. So we kept promoting the careers aspect, but clearly it was never going to be the same as if they're in school. And uh, again, probably for most schools, the careers program is delivered face to face during school time, during lessons, during their uh, their form tutor times or enrichment activities. And of course, all those came abruptly to an end. So certainly for for us and you, you see from the report, I think it's over 70 percent didn't get any careers advice and guidance. We had to look at, well, how do we re-engage with our students? How do we um, keep ensuring that it's at the forefront of what they're thinking about and um, as you already mentioned in your introduction that question students come to us because they have got an idea of what they want to do in the future and that might be uh, medical might be civil might be aviation but certainly it's a stem related career pathway they're interested in so we developed a, a number of different communication pathways that we felt were relevant um, including um, revamping of our virtual learning environment um, when we've currently got a focus group of students who are going to be reviewing that to tell us if that's working for them. Um, we developed more interactive uh, newsletters that we were deliberately sending to the inbox of parents as opposed to just the students. We were doing um, the various podcasts. We were getting in touch with um, various people from across the city. So I've interviewed various industrial leaders ranging from Chamber of Commerce to head of police to head of Airbus to various different people that we are creating little um, snippets of videos and content for them to share with students uh, virtually. Um, which uh, talks about you know how they got into their career how they got into that that particular role so we're trying to keep that hook going and we also use a, a platform called launchyourcareer.com which uh, all our students have access to regardless of whether they're in school or out of school it's, it's a web-based platform and that allows them to explore uh, a career opportunity it allows them to uh, understand themselves. Um, one of the nice things about the platform, it does give them the Myers-Briggs personality test and it does allow them to understand a little bit more about themselves. And if they're not too sure of the career route they were interested in or want to go down, they can follow through the process their personality and it will align their personality to careers that suits that personality. So where we get, and I'm sure every school has this, 
you know, you ask a student, what is it you want to do when you leave school? There's a lot of them will go, I don't know, you know, and I don't do anything at home. I don't have any hobbies. So the personality test has been able to um, allow us to sort of show them a pathway to some opportunities. And that starts dialogue, it starts discussion. We're able to continue with um, careers advice and guidance meetings as well, independent careers advice and guidance meetings. Um, but ultimately, I think as an establishment, we've had to look at our own processes and look at how we, um, how we now need to re-engage with industry. So as a core of what we do as a UTC is we work alongside industrial partners. And those partners influence what goes on in the curriculum. They influence what we do for projects, our enrichment. Um, so it's a very, um, it's a very important aspect. But we know a lot of our employer partners are now working from home. They're not in the office anymore. So we've had to put together, and we've done it now. We've had it all signed off. We put together a three-year plan, looking at how we redevelop and reconnect with industry, given the impact of, of the pandemic. Yeah, and it's interesting to, to think about it as, as well, like, um, uh, as you say, particularly given your, your, your STEM focus, your engineering focus, I know you've got, um, you know, great, great technical um, equipment uh, that, that, you know, the young people can get quite hands on with their, with their learning. Um, and, and as you say, um, linking up with these partners, so every, all of a sudden everybody's just, you know, staring down a Zoom meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. Um, it, it, you know, other young people that you work with, are they are, are they are they thinking differently um, about the world of work or particular industries, given given what they're what they're sort of hearing in the news or understanding um, about about the economy? I think there's a lot of worry. Um, you know, a lot of our students come from the most deprived areas of Birmingham, the postcode areas. Um, and a lot of parents will have been furloughed. A lot of parents may have even lost their jobs, you know, brothers, sisters, family members. Um, of course, let's not forget the impact that the pandemic has had on, uh, on families as well with the, uh, the, the, the really distressing death, death total that the pandemic has caused. So there's a lot of worry in that respect from, from, uh, from the students. But students are quite resilient as well. They are aware of the pandemic. They've worked with us on all our safety precautions, but they're also quite optimistic as well. So I think they are still looking forward to the future, but they are nervous about all the teacher assess grades and that process of not being able to sit an exam, of going on to that next level. They are very nervous about what does that mean in terms of accessing the next level so if i'm going to go on to an a-level course have i got the knowledge that's going to allow me to succeed and if it doesn't does that mean i can't go to university so you know this is going to take years to iron out um we have seen uh you know various businesses have been fantastic i think that you know i think you know round of applause to industry they are really trying to ensure that they can still engage with um with the younger generations because they naturally see it as uh, as their pipeline to employers um you know so we've had to obviously cancel our face-to-face -face work experience program um saying that there they have now through the internet through various platforms had more opportunity to engage with virtual work experience placements from across the world than ever before 
So as one door closes, another one opens. However, my caveat to that is you cannot replace the sights, sounds, smells of being in the actual workplace itself. So whilst all this virtual work experience has been fantastic and really encouraging for our students, it, it, it doesn't replace them actually getting on a bus, getting smartly dressed, getting to that business place, interacting with people. You know, we, we could probably say now one of the newest employability skills is the ability to use Zoom or Teams, you know, but that is not a soft skill that we want to rely on. You know, we still need that interpersonal skills, that problem solving skills, that, that interaction with other people is, is paramount. So fingers crossed, we get to a point where we can reintroduce face-to-face -face work experience. And I think that will re-enthuse uh, our students. Um, as an academy, we are running various events. We've got, uh, uh, in fact, yesterday I had the sign off for our plane build project with RAF Cosford. So I've got a number of sixth form who are taking part in that. Um, that will be obviously face-to-face -face working with uh, experts and volunteers. We have, uh, we will be celebrating our public services on the 23rd of June, it's public service day. So I think we've got half of the emergency services on site that day. Um, we are working with West Midlands Police and with West Midlands forensic teams to do a sort of CSI day as well with, uh, with our students. And um, that sits alongside what we already have in school, which is all our projects that are employer-based, uh, combined cadet force, and in September, we'll be running the Police Cadet Force and also the Royal College of Nursing Cadets. So we have a, a vast um, expansion, if you like, over the last few months in our enrichment program, which is all careers related. And the whole idea behind that is to make our students aware of what they can go on to do, because, of course, they don't know what they don't know. So by raising our awareness and by working with Launch Your Career, as well um, later this month you know you are going to be raising such a an awareness of career opportunities that i would expect 100 percent of our students to be able to tell me what it is they want to go on and do and be in the future that's that i mean that sounds incredible um and, and amazing that you that you've, that you've managed to um to get a lot of those things off, off the ground in such difficult times uh, I guess I'm interested there um, when you were just talking about, um, you know, trying trying to get um, young people to to leave school with 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 that sort of firmer idea of of what it is they want to do and, and be. Do you think do you think our system puts too much emphasis, though, on on young people making that decision quite early doors? And, you know, given given your own experience of, of going back to university, going to university later in life, um, do you think this, the system um, forces people to sort of specialise and, and make choices too young when they are going to have quite long working lives? Yeah, that's, that's a good question, isn't it? Because, you know, how many people these days have a career? Mm. You know, I, I had a career um, in the Air Force. Now I've had a, a longer career in teaching. Um, the reason I went back to university was nothing more than a, the fact I needed a degree to go into teaching. You know, otherwise I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have bothered. I, I didn't need to do that. Um, a number of our students, I think, are still very much influenced by family around, you know, what their next steps are. And a lot of family do want students, their, well, their children to go to universities. This, you know, we do a lot of work around what is an apprenticeship as well, raising that profile of earn while you learn. 
um, and getting that hands-on experience, especially in the STEM world, mm. you know, we see is a, is a fantastic opportunity. Um, and a number of our students have gone on to, to STEM-related apprenticeships. But I think it is a, it's a, it's a, it's a really good question. I don't know whether it's a, a cultural thing. I don't know if it's um, an aspiration. I don't know if it's uh, you know, a bit of sibling rivalry. You know, big brother, big, big sister went to university, therefore I have to. Um, but you're quite right. I mean, I, I think the vast majority of people I know are on their second or third career. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's how do you define a career? You know, do we define it as a, you know, a, a one job for life is a career or is it five years or more is a career? You know, I think it's, uh, it's an, a really interesting question to pursue. But we do, what we do know is, um, so again, going back to the interviews that I've, I mentioned earlier that I've done with some industry leaders, um, I spoke to some people. Uh, in fact, I spoke to one lady who is very senior in the West Midlands Police, who had worked in McDonald's, who had done paper rounds, had done all sorts of different jobs before she found her vocation. And, and since then has been very successful in her, in her role. So I think there is a, there is a, a role there for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think part of our job at school is to expose students to multiple roles, multiple career options, and allow them to sort of get hooked in on what they think is right for them and then help them to pursue it. Indeed. And, and do you think, I mean, you know, UTCs, um, you probably know um, better than than I would. How many how many are there um, currently open? Oh, okay, um, forty plus, I think. Mm. Um, off the top of my head, I haven't got an exact figure to hand, uh, but yeah, they represent a, a quite a diverse range of, uh, of skills and uh, uh, you know from health futures uh, to engineering to media. You know, it's a, it's a fantastic concept, and uh, you know it alludes back to your question about you know do is there a lot of pressure on students to know what they want to do? I think UTCs give students an option for those who do know what they want to do to to pursue that dream Mm -hmm. and to gain those qualifications, those experiences in that field. And of course, at the end of it, they've still got qualifications which are transferable. But what they have been given is exposure to those pathways that they are interested in or, or, or they think they're interested in. You know, uh, and that's one of the interesting things that we're looking to do now is what is it? We know what they want to do when they come in because launchyourcareer.com allows me to identify that through a database. And we know what our top destinations, aspirational uh, destinations are. But is it what they go on and do when they leave us? Mm. And that's where our destination data. So we're doing some work around comparing the input to the output. And if there's a dramatic change in a student's input to their output why was that what influenced that change so that's that's the next year's piece of work when we have hopefully an un, un, uh, unbroken year um, I want to do that comparison and do that analysis of you said you wanted to do this when you joined us you're now going on to do this what caused that change what's influenced you in that sense and, and something that um, I mean, in a in a former life, when I worked for a charity that that partnered businesses and schools in sort of um, more formal um, arrangements, and one of the things that we used to look at through the enterprise and employability work was this concept of alignment with a young person's aspirations um, relative to you know their their attainment and the level that they were working at. Because you can 
stand up in front of a hall full of children and you know tell them all the sky's the limit and in 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 one very real sense that is true um but you know some as any teacher will know some of them are um are going to achieve more highly in their in their exams and have more options in terms of, of, of further qualifications and and also the kind of um commitment and dedication that some of those career paths um may need um do you do you have any thoughts thoughts there about about how to um how to link in i guess um attainment into that kind of careers please well, these double-edged, isn't it, really? I think there's an element of, um, you know, who are we to squash a child's dreams? You know, if they've got, a, you know, an aspiration to become a pilot, then we should be doing everything we can to help them get there. Um, now, you're quite right. Not everybody will have that ability to become that pilot, whether it's academic or ability-wise. Um, you know, aptitude or, or academic status. But, you know, we're talking about in my circumstance here, year nine upwards. So if I've got a year nine telling me they want to be a pilot, they've got three years to start that journey. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, this is, again, this, this is where it goes back for me. This is where our, our work with Launch Your Career comes in is because they can follow that pathway. They can listen to a video from a pilot, talk about how they got into that. They can um, take part in our combined cadet force and go flying. They can experience what it would be like and essentially what we've got then is a huge carrot that's dangling in front of them to incentivize them to to do well in their studies because they've got a, a name. You know, for me, when I left school, I left school with an O-level metalwork and an O-level in art. And uh, CSEs, if you remember CSEs, a uh, you know, long time ago, um, I had, uh, you know, a few smatterings of CSEs. All I did essentially was focus on what I needed to join the Royal Air Force. I had that goal. If I didn't have that goal, I probably would have done a lot worse than that. So that, that's the key for me, I think. I think ultimately, if a student knows what they would like to go and do, and that may change, and that's what we say to yeah. students, you know, you may, you're going to change your mind. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you have something to aim for, then you're giving your studies context. And you're realizing now that this is the first step on that journey to achieve that goal. And, and, and like you say, it's it's sort of bringing that together at uh, uh, an early enough stage where they can still influence influence those outcomes in a positive direction. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the UTC uh, movement, obviously there have been challenges with regard to, to recruiting enough, enough young people at, at year nine um, stage and, and, and that has led potentially to some some UTCs having having to close you know as a variety of factors but recruitment being um, one of them do you, what what do you think we could do to to make sure that that, that more young people are, are aware of it as a as an option for them yeah that's, a, that's another good question really I mean it's the same for other studio schools some have been successful some haven't um, you're absolutely right if you haven't got the students in the in the building you, you're not getting the funding. So ultimately, there is going to be a, uh, an issue. Um, there is the Baker Clause, so we are able to go into schools and to discuss our options and what we do as a, as a UTC. Um, local authorities, uh, certainly in Birmingham, have sent letters to all eligible parents of, of, of students in year eight, um, promoting the fact that there is a choice in the city. Um, we do a lot around marketing 
um, huge amount around marketing. Um, our website is constantly updated. We've even now got a sort of Google walkthrough of the building as a response to the pandemic because we couldn't do our open evenings. And we normally have to do four open evenings over the year um, due to the interest and the demand. Um, and I'm very pleased to say that we are oversubscribed and we've had year on year growth. And, and within that, our gender balance has improved as well. So we are slowly turning the tide in terms of engineering being that job that you stand in a pit under a car taking the exhaust off you know there's uh you know that's just one element of engineering and there's a lot more behind all of that um so we we are very keen um in promoting ourselves in you know whilst to be in talking to you now where caroline i know noticed in the side of my eye here as a, a group of parents have just been escorted around the building who were interested in sending their child here so we do lots of different things uh, to promote it and i think this is you know, the problem where other UTCs have, have not necessarily been as successful has been down to getting numbers, I think, through the door. And, you know, that might, I, it could be for various different reasons. You know, that's not necessarily for me to to point at, but uh, fortunately, AUEA has been very successful under the, uh, under the leadership of, of the principal and um, we aim to continue to be successful. We are really pleased to have year nine now because traditionally UTC started with year 10, uh, but we have year nine now in a discovery year, um, ready to go into their GCSEs uh, and then stay with us into their sixth form. Our sixth form has grown tremendously. So we're now we're looking at around 250 coming into year 12. Um, you know, and that's a tremendous amount going through into year 13 as well. Uh, so we, we know we are doing a good job with that. And uh, we work with other UTCs, we work with other schools locally. We are definitely not one of those establishments that like to put their arms around things and hide things. We are more than um, happy to work with other people and to learn from other people and to share whatever we have in return. Great stuff. And um, I've definitely got to get up for a, for a visit sometime soon um, and, um, and see, the, see the facilities and all the fantastic work that you're, that you're doing up there. Um, and uh, yeah, I think one of the things that, um, you know, everybody listening to this podcast will have an interest in, in young people, in their, um, you know, in their well-being, in their academic attainment, um, you know, possibly somebody working in, in the career space. And I'm just keen to get your thoughts on where you think the sort of the responsibility is, is distributed for, for helping young people when they think about their future. We've, we've mentioned parents, you've mentioned some of the great work that companies um, you're involved with are, are doing. There's, there's obviously the, a role for, for schools, but, but also, you know, government has some, has some levers that it can pull. Um, where do you think the, the, the responsibility should be distributed? Well, I think, yeah, it's a million dollar question. I think it's everybody's responsibility, to be fair. Um, obviously, it's top down, so government down sort of sets the direction and uh, and they've allowed some really tremendous work by the careers enterprise company um, and the support that they've they've generated over the last few years. Um, and alongside that, the, the Gatsby benchmarks have certainly helped schools to sort of self-audit where they are with this process. Um, you know, so I think there's, yes, I think, 
yes, could government do more? Yeah, absolutely. Everybody in every position, in every job, in every career is going to say the government can do more and they could give more money. Um, yeah, absolutely, that, that could be the case. Um, we know about the social mobility and if we've got people employed the social mobility improves and the cost to uh, cost of government decreases um, you know so there's a, there's a huge incentive from a from a government point of view to to have that investment and I say you know the CEC have done some tremendous work and, and continue to do so um, the setup of local careers hubs as well has been really informative. It's allowing us to work with other colleagues from other schools. Um, only yesterday we were speaking with another local school who really wants to work with us. Um, and again, as I said earlier, you know, a partnership is a two-way process. Um, so we are more than happy to work with them because we can learn from them as well. Um, and why not share resources? So when I talk about the public service day that we're, we're celebrating, and I've got you know police ambulance, air ambulance, and all the other services on, on school sites, why not share that opportunity with another local school? You know, and this goes back to all the careers fairs that everybody was doing. Every school's doing their own careers fairs. That well, that just that's just bonkers yeah. to me. And what and what you end up getting then from an industry, from a business, is somebody who's quite disinfected because they're disaffected. Sorry, because they are doing so many of them. So I think there's there's an element of responsibility from the top down from government. Um, obviously, we've got the T levels that are coming in, so that's pushing the employability skills, that's pushing work-based learning um, to the forefront. Uh, extended placements is something we already do. We already have students uh, one day a week for a year in industry, uh, and we're looking to expand that. Um, I mentioned the, the aircraft build; that's the latest one. Um, as a UTC, uh, one of the cornerstones of what we do is contextualising the learning. So in our curriculum, we have industry-led projects. Um, so every Wednesday afternoon, students uh, are in a project that is industry-focused. Um, and we do expect staff to, uh, where possible, to relate the teaching and learning to a, uh, a career. So one of our things moving forward is in September, we're going to have a series of industry focus weeks. Um, which will be launched with a, a video interview, a bit like what we're doing now, with somebody from an industry that we know represents a, um, an aspiration for a number of our students. So at the moment, I know aerospace engineering is number one in terms of our aspirational career pathways. So we will have an interview uh, as former head of uh, engineering for Airbus. I've got all that banked already. Um, that will be launched with, uh, with tutors, and uh, then over the week, lessons are contextualized to that industry. Um, we will send information out like LMI data, how to get into aerospace engineering to students and parents over that week. And then ultimately at the end of the week, there'll be a live Q&A uh, Zoom or team meeting for those students who are really interested in knowing more with industry experts. And that will be our sort of industry focus week for aerospace. Um, I know I've got medical, of course, I've got civil and mechanical engineering ones lined up as well. So I think that it's a, I wouldn't say it was a cascade. I think, it, you know, I said it was top down from a government point of view, but absolutely they, they're driving how they want the careers program to be. Um, I would say absolutely funding is, is paramount. I think the, you know, having a dedicated careers leader in schools um, is not 100% possible. 
so as vice principal, I have that role, but I also have a careers re leader role. Um, I think, you know, every school should have a dedicated careers leader and that's their only focus. Um, and I think that's where government can fund and support schools more wholeheartedly. Um, and of course, larger schools probably got that capacity to do that within their staffing anyway. But smaller schools like UTCs don't necessarily have that, that capacity. Um, but again, it's just driving it through through teachers and and through le lessons and through learning. Um, and what we spoke about earlier with communication channels, making it very easy, very convenient for parents to understand what's going on, for parents to understand the opportunities, but also for students to find and investigate as well. Yeah, and I, I, there's some brilliant points there, particularly, particularly that one on collaboration and understanding, you know, um, like you say, if everybody organises their own their own careers fair, you know, there's 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 much less value in that if you recognise that maybe you've got two students in a year group who are interested in a in a thing, and you're going to get somebody a stand to talk to them. Like, why wouldn't you do it as a group of schools across a multi academy trust, or you know, in a, in a, in another grouping, and 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 really make sure that you know you're getting value equally as you say sharing resources things that you that you're creating and particularly in this time when yeah. we've needed to work remotely um you know you can record somebody giving a talk and and reuse that somebody was ill somebody missed it someone's changed that actually thinks they are a bit more interested in that now and wants to have a look at it um yeah i think you can there's lots of ways to to, to make some of that um you know more, more efficient and then also thinking about about the role of parents um, in kind of limiting um, or, or, or on the other side validating what a young person wants to do um, and you know particularly as, as we know around parity of esteem with um, apprenticeships versus university or you know just just having the, the parents um, more supportive and more aligned to the information that the child is <coughs> getting yeah. uh, rather than yeah. relying on their knowledge or, or prejudices or whatever um, I can see that that would be that would be really yeah, and I, th I don't think it's it's raising that aspiration and allowing the child to have the voice to say this is what I'm interested in. Um, and again, you know, it, it, everybody's got different circumstances, and I alluded to earlier that a lot of our students come from really poor postcodes in in Birmingham, uh, and parents may not have the same aspiration that we have for their child. So, you know, raising that awareness of what opportunities are available and how they can access them and how they can support them is, is, is just as important. It's the same with any aspect of school. If you've got the parents on board, it's far more successful. It's just how do you get to the parents? You know, how do you engage them for them to feel that actually if they don't get involved, they're missing out on something? You know, one of the things we were trying to do is uh, I did a postcode analysis of, of where our students come from. And uh, looking in our immediate area, 80% of industry in our immediate area are SMEs of up to four employees. So we know there's not a lot of employment opportunities in our immediate area. As daft as that sounds, we've JLR down the road and various other large industries. But our immediate area, where our students come from, is not big industry. And a lot of the parents may walk past a business and think, you know, I'd love to work there but I don't know how to. So it's also about helping to support parents uh, as much as they can without patronising parents or, 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 or any, any form of uh, uh, patronisation at all. It's, it's how do we raise the aspiration of the child to say, 
mom, dad, this is what I want to do. I know it's not necessarily what you might think I want to do, but this is what I want to do. This is what I need to get. And I need your support to help me get that. Mm, that's so that's so powerful. Um, you know, giving giving that young person um, a voice there. Wow, lots lots to think about. And uh, is there anything else you you'd like to to share with listeners or reflect on in terms of um, the work that you've been doing during the pandemic? Um, I think you know. I think everybody's been doing some tremendous stuff. I've spoken to many people, you know, and everybody's is absolutely slogging their guts out trying to provide students with the opportunity. Um, and to a certain extent, you can was it you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, you know. And that that's the key. How do we make it drink? Um, you know, we continue now looking and trying to make sure we don't have any neats. That's been a priority with with the team here. Um, it's about trying to raise awareness of what they can go on to do. You know, again, we've got those students who know they're going to get the grades they need to go on to the next step. We've also got those through various circumstances, whether that's COVID related or not, who are not necessarily going to get the grades that they need to go and get that step. It's about having that conversation with them. But what I say for us, for me personally, you cannot replace the face to face activity. You cannot replace that. You know, I'm you know who am i to go into an assembly and talk about what it's like to be a doctor well you can't do that at all you know so we try and get somebody in earlier this week we had a judge in from a local county court who came and talked to students about the judicial process and how you can become a lawyer and solicitor but that's him coming in his personality his experiences and, and that's what it's about i think it's it's about contextualizing the learning and getting experts in and you know running with activities that give it meaning because ultimately if it's me doing it, it's just another teacher in the school running something, you know, and like I said, you know, 23rd of June, and I've got the firearms team, I've got the traffic squad, I've got air ambulance, paramedics, they're the people doing the jobs, they're the people the students should be talking to. Yeah, no, as you say, it, it's, it's those um, encounters and increasing the kind of frequency and, and, and depth of them that will spark something that could, you know, um, change a life, change the direction of, of a life and light a fire. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's about developing the whole person. Um, you know, uh, like I said, uh, I'm not an academic um, and I fully appreciate that we need qualifications to take the next step. Um, but if you aren't developing the person, that next step may well be a million miles away, regardless of what your grades are. You know, so I think that that personal development is absolutely key. The employability skills, the confidence, the ability to lead or to be a, a follower, um, to work in collaboration with others, to get some, somewhere on time and take part in the right way, I think is, is equally as important as any other GCSE. Indeed, indeed. And um, so such a, 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 a true point to, to, to end on there and thinking about how, yeah, we develop the, the whole person um, and and continue to um, help help young people recover from from all the different manner of things um, that, that they have faced over over the last year or so. Well, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us and talking about the work that you've been doing. We have mentioned um, launch, launch your um, career 
and the the report um, careers after covid i'll put um links to those in in the notes from this and also some links to the careers enterprise company and and a few other places that that people might want to go to for more information and thank you very much for listening key voices is produced by the key giving education leaders the knowledge to act Members of the Key for School Leaders can access hundreds of articles on the latest issues in education at thekeysupport.com. And please tell us what you think of the podcast. Rate, review and subscribe or email me at caroline.doherty at thekeysupport.com with your thoughts and suggestions. So there we go. That was that.